Welcome. I'm Lauren Ash, and you're listening to the Black Girl in Ohm podcast. Black Girl in Ohm exists to hold and catalyze healing within Black women around the world on their unique journeys towards wholeness. We support the necessary transformation, spiritual awakening, consciousness shifts, and intergenerational healing occurring within the diaspora. This podcast is a warm embrace, soothing realness, and conscious girl talk. Come into conversation with me and our spirit-centered guests. Let the journey begin. Today's episode is sponsored by Penguin Random House. This year and always, Penguin Random House invites readers to amplify Black stories. From books like Elaine Welteroth's trailblazing memoir, More Than Enough, to Nedra Glover Tawab's empowering guide, Set Boundaries, Find Peace, to Hawa Hassan's In Bibi's Kitchen, the cookbook connecting us with grandmothers across East Africa. These stories celebrate and embrace the many ways it means to be Black. For more recommendations of books that honor the breadth of Black experiences, go to bit.ly slash Amplify Black Stories. You may also follow Penguin Random House's Always Black, that's A-L-L, Ways Black channel on Instagram at Always Black. Feel free to check this out in the show notes and let me know what you're reading. Hello, everybody. Today's guest is someone that I am beyond thrilled about because she has personally blessed my life, my spiritual journey, my healing journey, my unfolding. Today's guest is the beautiful Paris Nichelle. Hey, Paris. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm just thrilled, too, that we're in the A together. Hey. Yes, I flew into Atlanta yesterday to speak with three phenomenal women, and you are the first conversation that I'm blessed to have today. Yes, (laughs) and I'm gonna I'm gonna share a bit about you with the people. So, Paris Nichelle or Ia Shango Didi, as she is affectionately called, is an initiated priestess, medium, diviner, and healer. For over 15 years, she has used her gifts to help women of color heal trauma and align to their highest selves. As the owner of Do the Healing Work, Ia offers services designed to tap into all aspects of life. Utilizing her gift of clairaudience, Paris Nichelle delivers guidance straight from the wisdom of the ancestors. Ashay. Ashay. We're going to be saying that a lot today. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Ashay means so let it be. Yeah. But it's also a very cultural way of saying, yeah. Yes. Too. So it just depends on how you're using yes, it. Yes, <laughs> yes. I love that about our culture, though. We have a lot of ways that we express and on one thing or one concept. We use it in all kinds of ways, and absolutely. we always understand absolutely. the way that we're using it. Yes. So... I want to just go kind of deep right away. So you, as I mentioned, have guided me through so much, and I've known you for just shy of a year. It'll be a year in March. Right. You have held space for so many black women, so many women Mm -hmm. of color on our spiritual journeys, on our healing journeys. And at the same time, you're 
on one as well, you know? Absolutely. We were actually just talking about this, like, you can be both a student and a teacher. Absolutely. It is imperative to always be both a student and a yes. teacher. Yes, and yeah. we will talk about that. <laughs> so you're being divinely guided on your path by your elevated ancestors, we're going to talk about them, and your highest self, we're going to talk about them. I'd love to know, though, who is your highest self and what is she the embodiment of? I think that that would be a beautiful way to actually introduce yourself more to our community. Okay, that is a very deep and amazing question, actually. It's the first time I've ever been asked that. So my highest self is bodacious. Yes. My highest self, I would say, is a healer who knows how important it is to be my own first client. My highest self is forgiving, extremely sensitive and compassionate, but one that has absolutely a heart of service. Mm -hmm. At my truest self, I am a servant to my community, my family, my people, but most importantly, a servant to myself. Yes. And that is something that has been an honor and a challenge over the course of uh, my almost 40 years on this planet to learn the balance between serving myself and serving those that I have been called to service for. My highest self is a natural mother. I have been a mother before I was physically a mother. My highest self is a, is a warrior. I am very, very quick uh, to fight for the underdog. I am very, very quick to fight for justice and truth. Yes. My highest self is a student. And the embodiment, I would say the truest reflection and embodiment of my highest self, I see reflected in my daughter. Mm. Because she embodies the qualities that took me so long to appreciate about myself. Wow. And she's 11. She is 11. That's beautiful. Yes. That's so beautiful. And I hope to talk about motherhood more with you later, too, because yeah. that's a whole another aspect of your spiritual journey and unfoldment. Oh, my goodness. I'm writing a book about it right now. Ashe? Um, yeah. <laughs> I have three um, old people trapped in these little bodies. Wow. It's very, it's been a ride. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that in one of the many lessons that I have been a student <laughs> of yours within, I learned about my highest self. And I know within the framework that you teach within, which is African traditional religious Absolutely. system, right? And, and spirituality. Yeah. And spirituality, that your highest self is referred to as your Ipon Ri. Ashe. Mm -hmm. And that this expression of yourself is always accessible to you. It may not always feel like it. Right. It might feel like you are so trapped in your old ways of doing things that don't serve you, don't serve your purpose, don't serve others around you. But there's healing work that you can do to really allow for your highest self to still be in communication with you, be guiding you. And I'd love to just hear you talk more about this because I feel like there's a lot more dialogues and conversations happening within the kind of pop spirituality space <laughs> around, oh, my highest self, yes. my highest self, my highest self. But what does this actually mean? And just hearing you speak more to this okay. would be amazing. Well, your highest self, um, the Europe uh, Papillon in the system, we believe in the process of reincarnation. And in that, our ancestors are returned or reborn through the physical or the chemistry of our DNA, but also 
through the um, elevated consciousness mm -hmm. that each and every one of us are born with. Now, in that, our RV or our consciousness through each lifetime may very well change. But our eponry, our highest self, is the one that is basically the holder or the recorder of each experiences, each lesson, each uh, struggle, each tools that we accumulate over each lifetime. Each of those are, for lack of a better term, deposited or kept in our eponry. Our eponry is our highest self. Some people refer to it as our spiritual twin. Mm. That is the part of us, our spiritual self, that never leaves heaven. Mm. Okay? And so the goal, um, there's a Yerba saying that says in English, heaven is home. Earth is the marketplace. Wow. And so we come here to learn. We come here to have trials and tribulations. We come here to pick up lessons and tools because at some point we will be the ancestor. Mm. And simultaneously, currently, we are the ancestor yes. at the same time. Yes. And so in that, we come here to get certain lessons, tools, and experiences that elevates the collective consciousness, the ancestral consciousness, our own eponry and consciousness. Mm -hmm. What typically happens throughout our lifespan is that that connection at times get muddled, mm -hmm. right? Through trauma, through indecision, through lack of self-esteem, through just life, through our human experience. Um, that connection at times gets a little convoluted and bleary and so it is the purpose of this journey to continue to maintain and to strengthen mm. that connection with our highest selves and some of the obstacles that we face are designed to do just that to strengthen and to clear out that connection with your highest self I want to just underscore that because internalizing that or practicing you know starting mm -hmm. to embrace that allows you to be at least willing to meet the challenges in your life from a completely different vantage point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because what I have found in the work that I do is that our higher self is always and consistently communicating with us. Now, the question is, do we hear it? Right. The question is, do we recognize it? The biggest question is, are we following it? Mm -hmm. But the connection is there. And that is the purpose of spiritual tools like meditation, like yoga, like journaling, like yeah. the connection to the Orisha, mm -hmm. like all of the different things that we do. And different things work for different people. Yeah. But that is the connection. When we talk about the Yoruba concept of Iwa Re Re, gentle character, mm -hmm. balanced character, mm -hmm. that is the point of those practices mm -hmm. to help. When you have a gentle, you cannot see your reflection in boiling water. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> you can't because it's not still, right? So that is the purpose of balance and gentle character mm -hmm. so that you can see your reflection yes. in your life, the reflection of the guidance of your highest self, your elevated ancestors yes. within your life. But a lot of times our lives look like boiling water yes. and things are so chaotic that it is very hard to see ourselves reflected in our lives. Yes. I love that too. What came into my mind right when you said that is I have grown accustomed to the knowing that for me, my close like 
two of them. <laughs> my close, close girlfriends reflect me back to me. Mm-hmm. But it is absolutely with more of the tools and the wisdom that I've gleaned from working with you that I've been able to realize the ways that I can be my own reflection. Absolutely. And you know, I've been practicing yoga for years. Mm -hmm. I've been practicing meditation for years. I've been on this whole holistic living vibe for years. But there was a deepening into my own self, into my family, into my highest self that happened when I started learning more about these traditions that aren't just plucked out of thin air, but are very much a part of my cultural birthright that I've been separated from and that even many and maybe most members of my family have also been separated from for generations. And I really want to talk about that. I feel like as black women, I'll at least say within, you know, I don't want to speak for black women around the world, right? (laughs) But many black women within the United States because of so many systems of oppression, because of the history of the slave trade and how we were ripped away from from our religious and spiritual traditions and pathways. There's so much that we have to unlearn around Mm -hmm. spirituality and our very own cultural and spiritual traditions that we've been cut off from, right? Right. Many of the traditions are just literally pulsing through our veins asking (laughs) for us to pay attention. And for those of us who are leaning more intentionally to unfold and to align, end up gravitating towards these beautiful practices that perhaps our great, great, great grandmothers were doing and we had no idea. Mm-hmm. There comes with that sometimes some fear, some uncertainty, a lot of curiosity. And I'm just curious how you journeyed and still continue to journey, but what were kind of those aspects of your journey that led you towards divination, towards being an initiated priestess, being a medium that's supporting those of us who are interested in delving deeper into our ancestral lineages and practices? Okay. Well, um, my journey started, I was very, very young. I would say that I was maybe about five or six when I became cognizant of the fact that I knew things that other people hadn't known or that I knew things that I hadn't heard previously discussed. But I grew up in a family where they were very spiritual, not necessarily religious per se, but very, very spiritual. I was exposed to a couple of different pantheons before I would say even maybe my 13th birthday. So of course we went to church when I was young up until almost the time I graduated from high school. My grandmother was heavily into the church, but on Sundays, they would take us to rituals. And that was normal. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very, very normal for them to say, spirit said this or spirit said that. Now, nobody explained who or what spirit was, but it was very, very normal to hear we, well, mm -mm, spirit says that I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Or, um, oh, I should have followed spirit yes. or, you know, any of those things or I had a dream. And so nobody is to do this because spirit said mm-hmm. or we should do this because spirit said. So in alignment, along with going to church, mm-hmm. we were also exposed to um, African traditional spirituality in different shapes and forms. I think I was probably about 10 the first time I realized Okay, 
what exactly is it that we are doing here? Because, you know, just growing up seeing certain things like a little coconut in the corner with popcorn on it. Mm -hmm. And don't ask about it. You knew instinctively not to ask about it. We were told outright, don't tell anybody we burn candles. Don't mm -hmm. tell anybody we're using these herbs. Don't mm -hmm. tell, don't ask any questions. Oh, um, after church, you know, change to all white. We're doing a ceremony for the twins. Mm -hmm. And, but what wasn't happening and... I, I understand now why that didn't happen was there was really no explanation for it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was much older and began to research and study on my own that I realized that that coconut in the corner was actually a shoe mm -hmm. and or Papa Legba or mm -hmm. Papa Loco, depending on or Elegua, depending mm -hmm. on what pantheon, you know, you're a part of. It wasn't until I was older and I really began to um, go into my Yoruba study that I realized that oh the ceremony for the twins is actually the Ibeji mm -hmm. but now in hindsight I realized that those were Vodun ceremonies mm -hmm. so fast forward I was probably about well go back a little bit I was actually kept you know those little brownie services that they do like um, it's kind of like Girl Scouts but for churches like children's mm -hmm. church mm -hmm. um, and you know you have the different age groups and they're brownies or lilies or roses whatever well I kept getting kicked out of those um <laughs> <laughs> because I had so many questions that they couldn't answer. And most adults tend to be, their ego doesn't allow for them to say to a five-year-old, I don't know. Right. Um, things like Adam and Eve were created, right, in the Garden of Eden. And then they had Cain and Abel. And then Cain killed Abel. And then Cain got cast out. Who, who did he marry? <laughs> you were curious. You're right. Like who, who? I don't. I don't get it. Where? Where is this? So I got kicked. The last time I got kicked out was because it was at that moment my my mother realized, okay, this kid's a Pan African. Wow. I was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, not the kids' version. Wow. The Alex Haley version. I was six. Full blown. Right. You said I need to know. I need to know. So. Now, my mother owns a dance school that specializes in African dance for over 27 years. And so we did have a very African or Afrocentric based childhood, um, regardless of what religious center my mom was right. in at that time. Right. Um, my dad, on the other hand, the father who raised me was very devout Christian. And so that's that, interesting. It is a very, <laughs> it is a very interesting dynamic. Um, but my dad loves and they're divorced now, but loves still and loved my mother enough that he respected and yes. understood that this was just a part of her. Yeah. And this was something that was very cultural and very innate in her yes. that needed and had to be expressed. So he didn't understand it and definitely did not, does not agree with it. But mm -hmm. he respected her enough and loved her enough that we were allowed to be exposed to both sides of the coin. Yeah. So that brings me until I was about 13. I had gone to my very first Bembe. Bembe is um, short for Bemalari. It is the Yoruba word for basically what it is is a celebration or a spiritual connection or party or um, service for a particular or several Orisha. Okay. Yeah. So the first one I went to, never forgot, I'm 13, just turned 13. And I had seen people get possessed before, but just like when you're in the church and you're a kid, you think it's funny. Yeah. 
It was hilarious. Catch, people catching the spirit. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wigs yeah. falling off. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so me and my siblings are there. But this feels very different. Mm. This feels very different than anything I've experienced in church and even at the Vodun ceremonies mm -hmm. that we got snuck off to when we were kids, mm -hmm. right? So now, and I realize now that the energy wasn't different. It was me mm. that was responding to it differently. And that goes back to what you were saying before about how for you, your practices mm -hmm. and your journey has been a very inward one. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So a young lady got possessed with who I now know or, you know, um, was the Orisha Oya. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of, I'm sure that my eyes were big because I'm just looking around. And I remember thinking to myself, she better not come over here. And so, of course, yeah. she came right over there. Yes. And my, I'm standing next to my mother, and she says to me, mm, you know exactly who I am. Wow. And I felt like, now my head is saying, no, I don't. But my heart is saying, yes, I do. And I immediately just start to cry. Wow. And she says, you see, stop asking to not have that level of sensitivity. Wow. Because it is that level of sensitivity that connects you to the divine. Wow. It is that level of sensitivity that allows you to hear me and allows me to hear you. You are my daughter. So know that when you cry yourself to sleep and you think that nobody knows that you feel misunderstood and alone and unloved, that I'm with you. And that if no one else in this world understands you, know that I do. You don't fully understand what I'm saying to you right now, but in time you will. Come and find me. Then she turns to my mom and she gives my mom a message who I have since seen that message manifest. She took the, uh, what we call gele, the head wrap on my head. She took it off of me and she said, you this will be your gift to your mother. And at the time, I thought she meant the rap. But what she was referring to is my consciousness. Wow. I am actually my mother's spiritual teacher, as she has been mine for so many years. And she took the rap and wrapped it around my mother's womb. Wow. Less than seven years later, my mom had to have a hysterectomy. Wow. She didn't follow the advice. But in that moment, when she didn't follow that advice, I remembered the warning. And that made it very real for me. Mm. Maybe about a month after this happened, my dad actually sat me down and he said, listen, you are now 13. And so you are now responsible for your own sins. Mm. I see something in you that I cannot explain. I see gifts. I don't know if they're actually gifts, but I see gifts in you that I cannot explain. Mm -hmm. So at this stage, I want you to begin your own spiritual journey, your own religious journey, your own religious investigation, and find what works for you. I have to say that that's profound. Um, I grew up within a, within a very traditional Christian family and background, and it's quite profound to me that your dad affirmed and kind of gave you permission, mm -hmm. you know, in a sense, like, you don't need permission. But when you're a child, yes. you think you do. At 13, you so absolutely do. That's profound. Because what he said was, is that if you can explain to me 
what it is that you believe, I will not force you to go to church any longer. But you do have to explain it to me. Wow. And from that point, I actually began to heavily study Christianity. Mm. Read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Because what I couldn't understand is what is it about this that I'm missing? Mm. Because it doesn't resonate with me. It's an amazing story, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it wasn't resonating with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand then the science of what it was that's in that Bible. I do now, yes. but I didn't then. Yes. But what it did was it gave me permission to go internal and figure out what did resonate with me. And that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. That is the journey that I've been on for a while now, and I never even realized that that was a key aspect of my growth and my development and my spirituality. It is. You know? It is. It's absolutely paramount because we grow up, especially in the black community, where we feel obligated. Yes. And when that belief starts to shift, you almost feel guilty. Yes. Or fear, condemnation. Absolutely. Disconnected from your family. Absolutely. From what they taught you, from what you feel. That's an obligation. Yes, because it absolutely causes you to question everything you thought you knew. Yeah. When you talk about unlearning, you have to stop, especially as you're transitioning, you have to stop and think of how many of your beliefs, not just religious, especially not even religious, how much of your self-beliefs, how much of your day-to-day -day moral compass is based on an Abrahamic religion? Mm -hmm. Chastity, mm -hmm. virginity, mm -hmm. boundaries, respect. Yes. Most of those things are based in a very Christian or come from a very Christian theological viewpoint yeah. that has now really influenced what is our social norms and our social mores, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you are unlearning certain things or when if you don't unlearn certain things, then you will take those beliefs and mm -hmm. try to apply them to an African religion or African spirituality or I, to a holistic life that it may no longer serve. I love this because mm -hmm. what I'm receiving from this is the importance of just giving yourself permission to explore and to ask questions mm -hmm. of everything that you have been given and everything that you're stepping into. So not divorcing yourself away from it once you say, oh, I found something else that resonates, still allowing yourself to deepen back into. I had a moment of this around Christmas this past year mm -hmm. where I was like emotional when mm -hmm. I was um, attending this service at a spiritual center, mm -hmm. not a traditional church, but at a spiritual center that I've really been enjoying. And I realized that all of my healing work around unconditional love and support, which is a lifelong one, of course, yes. has actually had me return to what I believe is one of the core messages of the Bible, which was my primary text for the first 20 some years of my right. life, right? right? And so it allowed me to realize, oh, wow, I've done my discovery. I've done my questioning in a way that is no longer fear-based, mm -hmm. but like curiosity-based, love-based, possibility-based. Right. And I've, I have a completely different orientation to it now. Mm -hmm. It's so freeing. Yes. Um, a lot of people, quote-unquote, transition, and they throw out the Bible. Mm -hmm. in Jesus. But what, even if you don't believe that Jesus existed, 
what about Jesus as an avatar mm -hmm. of how one should live their lives? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus is paramount tenant and he mm -hmm. was very if you really read Matthews mm -hmm. which is the gospel mm -hmm. of Jesus mm -hmm. right then you will see that he really taught messages but the only mandate or um, testament that he added mm -hmm. right was love one another period. that was it period that was it he said, I do not come to wash away the Old Testament or the laws of old. The only thing that I'm going to add is love one another. Yes. That seems to be the things that people have the most trouble with. Though. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for sharing. I mean, I learned a lot of new things about you, oh. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. It's really beautiful to hear someone's, even a glimpse, right? Because I know you're writing a book, mm. a glimpse of someone's path. And it's also a very vulnerable thing to share. Yes. You know, like we are very sensitive, rightfully mm. so, right. around talking about our faith, our spirituality, our cultural beliefs, our family. So just thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're very um, welcome. It's very powerful, you yes. know, and sparks a lot within me. So oh, I'm sure that amazing. the listeners will... Yeah, have a I lot mean, to think about. Well, sharing is something that has been very difficult for me on this path mm -hmm. because honestly, I became a priest kicking and screaming. I you absolutely you, you didn't wake up one day what? and say, "I'm a bee." <laughs> I spent 15 years running. Wow! But that running was rooted in my belief that I wasn't enough. Wow! So that's what I mean by the journey is inward. Right. It had nothing to do with being a priest. It had nothing to do with the, at the actual initiation or the year in white or I was thinking that I didn't want to be responsible for anybody else. Now, right. mind you, mm -hmm. I already had three kids, but well, two and a half. I was pregnant when I got initiated, but it was based in my belief that I wasn't enough. Wow. And so that year in white. Oh, God, that was probably the best and worst year of my life simultaneously wow. but it helped to pull that back yeah and so I had spent the better part of my journey thinking oh I need to really connect with the Orisha I need to connect with my ancestors I need to connect with all of these external things and in that year where all I really had was myself yes I had no choice but to really, even my godfather was like, you have to connect with Shango and you have to learn to have a relationship with Shango. And I'm not saying that that wasn't correct, mm -hmm. but what Shango said, you have to have a better relationship with you. Wow. You don't even know you. Wow. Wow. And that's what that year was for. I mean, what you said about not feeling like you were enough. Mm. I know that you support, and you supported me around this, but you support a lot of black women in identifying our limiting beliefs and identifying what it is that we do desire in our lives and then assessing where there's alignment, where there's misalignment. Okay. And one thing you always say to me, and I said this and I quoted you along the whole expansion tour, <laughs> which is that alignment isn't about perfection. No. Because a lot of us doing the work, and doing the work can be in a variety of things, but a lot of us doing the work can get stressed out then when we feel like we are really aware of when we feel like we're aligned with love, we're aligned with prosperity, we're aligned with abundance. And once we get off, whether it's a life circumstance that we allow to you know, knock us off a bit, mm -hmm. we just get hard on ourselves and we stay there. Yes. We dwell in that place of, I'm not enough. I failed mm -hmm. and this is evidence of my failure. Right. So I'd right. love to hear more about like your 
practices and your advice for especially black women, us recognizing the truth that we are enough, truth of the capital T that we are enough. Absolutely. And like interrogating where that even comes from. I think that a big part of what, from my experience, where that has come from is childhood and not having a voice Mm. for, I won't say for all, right? But I would say for a lot of us within the black community, especially those of us that are either in single mother or mother dominant households, sometimes the dynamic between mother daughter becomes almost like a competition, Mm. right? And so I believe that our ancestors have really set a path or a tool for all of these things, for all of the things that we're experiencing now. Because traditionally, <laughs> in what we call the age or the witch, right? Oh, I hate that word, and they do too. But <laughs> for those of us that haven't grown up speaking Yoruba, me included, the Iami, which means, you know, we're going to say the ancient mothers, because okay. Iami means the mothers. Ancient mothers. Mm-hmm. But the terminology or what people call them here in the diaspora is typically the witches. Mm-hmm. We're going to say the, the mothers. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. So with the mothers, people who are born, especially black women, are born with a certain mother energy, witchy energy, Mm -hmm. iami energy, right? Mm -hmm. We are able to manifest because we are the ultimate ancient creators. Yes. Okay. And so with that, typically, the mother is not who trains you to use it. It is the grandmother. Wow. Why is that? Because... The connection or the age or the maturity of that energy has not matured past a certain point by the time a woman is a mother raising Mm. a child coming to that energy. Mm. You are still really learning how to deal with, learning how to control, learning how to control your emotions. You still have a certain level of hormones in your body because you haven't gone through menopause, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so... The grandmother. And so a lot of times when the mother tries to teach the child or the daughter how to use, control, manage that energy, Mm -hmm. it's like bulls locking horns. So you need somebody who has not only learned but mastered Mm -hmm. that energy Mm -hmm. and remembers what it feels like to be in both of those positions. Right. Now, circle back. In the diaspora, a lot of our grandmothers are very young. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So we kind of miss that rites mm-hmm. of passage. Mm-hmm. We kind of miss that, having that eldership. And there is a difference between elder and older. Mm. And that's another part of what we miss. Yes. A lot of times when our parents are in the position of raising us, they are not elders, they are olders. Yes. And so they are still on their journey yes. of learning. What happens is a lot of times in trying to assert their eldership, maybe sometimes prematurely, right? They feel or have felt as if in order to establish that dominance, you have to shut out and silence Mm -hmm. any opposition. Mm -hmm. That opposition, a lot of times, is the child. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us have been groomed in situations where we do not have a voice. Our opinions don't matter. We're not old enough. Right. You're not grown enough right. to have an opinion. And literally hearing that language, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally hearing that again and again and again. You have not lived long enough. Yes. You don't make enough money. Mm-hmm. Enough, enough, enough. Mm-hmm. And so how do we internalize that? I am not 
enough. So we are now children that have grown into adults that have never experienced or had the practice of applying that critical thinking that most parents think that they are teaching us. And now we turn 18 and we're suddenly adults. And now we're being sent into the world without having been taught how to set boundaries, without giving permission to have an opinion, without any practice with stating our case, with having a voice, with setting those boundaries, with even saying no. We were talking about this. Yeah. And letting that no be a complete sentence. And sadly, we teach our sons that, though. Mm. Many mothers teach their sons that, Mm. though. Right? Yes. But not their daughters. We are taught to serve. We are taught to please. Mm -hmm. We are taught to bend. We are taught to compromise. We are taught to share. We are taught to give. Right. Right? Right. But we are not taught that we are enough. We are not taught that our no is final. And we don't have to give an explanation. I was almost 30 years old before I was ever told that. And you know who taught me that? Mm. My husband. Mm. Because when I would have to, I would go back and forth. I would back, well, I don't want to be mean. Right. Well, I don't want to be seen as being like, you know, the B word. Or I don't want to, well, maybe. And it was really... If I say no, will I still be enough for this person? Do I still qualify for their love? Do I still qualify for their friendship if I set boundaries? And a lot of that not setting boundaries comes from our very own mother and our parents and not being taught. We can't, many of us are adults and still can't say no to mom. Right. My husband said to me one day, sweetie, no is a complete sentence. You don't have to give an explanation. That was mind-blowing for me. Right. It took me weeks before I could even really fully wrap my brain around that. Right. You mean to tell me I don't have to tell you why I can't? Or He said, no, you don't want to. That's right. it. Right, right. And in that, I realized I haven't had a voice. And so the stereotype of the angry black woman Mm -hmm. is typically us just trying to have a voice because a lot of us replace courage with anger. Mm. I'm going to say it again. A lot of us replace courage for anger. Mm. The only time we will speak our truth is when we are angry because we've never been taught to have courage. And we haven't been taught to honor our emotions. No. And from what I understand, anger is a secondary emotion. There's always something else that came before it. But over the course of our lives, for for many of us, Mm -hmm. um, we aren't given the tools, the permission to acknowledge and honor. Absolutely. Yeah. What I found is that anger comes from fear. Mm. Fear of not being heard. Mm. Fear of not being accepted. Mm -hmm. Fear of somebody crossing boundaries but typically those are boundaries that we really haven't ever set right and if we have set it we haven't honored them consistently right thank you for that i mean what i heard and everything you shared is you traced your own history and understanding of where the notion that you aren't enough came from absolutely and i hope that our community listening is able to give themselves permission to do the same for those who haven't yet done that because, and I've learned this with you even more so, the beliefs that we have that do not serve us, it's one thing to acknowledge, okay, I have that belief, 
But then it's another thing to get to the root of it mm -hmm. and then to rewire. Absolutely. You know, because you can't just say, okay, I know it because our conscious mind versus our subconscious mind versus the spiritual Ooh. traumas that we've inherited. Absolutely. Like, I'm a strong, resilient woman, mm -hmm. but slash and <laughs> it takes a lot of resolve yes. to begin to dismantle ancestral like inherited belief systems. Absolutely. Those have been passed along for who knows how many generations. Absolutely. So it takes a lot of conscious work, spiritual work, subconscious work to really start to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm very, very glad that you brought that up because a lot of times people are afraid to trace back where these self-limiting beliefs come from because they don't want to make mom, dad, grandma, whoever it is, wrong. Yes. But one of the things that we cover in one of the classes I teach, the Power Tools class is... Which I'm a student of. Uh, you're an alumni of. That's true, alum. Come I on, got my graduation cap. Ow. <laughs> so, but one of the things that is important to understand is one of the affirmations that we use, especially for people who have issues with that belief, is that my parents did, my mother did, my father did, the best that they could yes. with what they knew, when they knew it. Yes. And I will take it from here. Yes. You don't have to make them wrong because the things that you inherited, typically they inherited too. Mm. Now you just have a new set of tools to dismantle and yes. discreate this belief. Yes. When I look at my family dynamic, and if I just, we don't have a whole lot of men. My grandmother has five daughters, one son, uh, 29 grandchildren, 26 <laughs> are granddaughters. Wow. Like, we really don't have that many men in our family. But when I look at the history of certain beliefs, certain behaviors, I literally can trace it back like six generations. Wow. Just six generations. I can trace it back that far. Wow. And so how can I hold my mom accountable and make her wrong? How can I hold my grandmother accountable and make her wrong? Right. How, you know what I'm saying? Right. Without saying my ancestors were wrong. Right. You understand what I'm saying? And so it is okay sometimes to see certain behaviors and say, I don't want to continue that. That is literally why we're here. Yes. Yes. That is literally why we're here. Wow. That's why we're sent here. That's why we chose to come here. Ooh. Because we're looking, right? Because that changes your whole... When I realized that I chose this destiny, yes. mind flipping yes. blown. When I realized that I chose the same series of experiences again and again and again so that I can elevate what? rather than stay in the same place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Then that really lets you know that how much of a co-creator you are. Yes. So then, and people say, oh, you're making me wrong. No, I'm not making you wrong. I'm giving you back your power. Yes. If you chose this, you can choose something else. Yes. If you created this, you can create something else. Yes. There's an do or a scripture in your belief system that says you have the power to create anything. Yes. Create something good this time. Yes. Yes. The magic is accountability. Yes. Do the healing work. Yes. That's it. Do the healing work. Yeah. And that is the name of your amazing... <laughs> platform and where you hold space for us to to heal absolutely so we've talked about so much and you have just blessed me <laughs> so much and so many of our community members are just going to get their whole lives from this conversation i want to know what you would leave us with what do you think is really 
urgent or necessary or a must for black women to deepen into in this new decade? Ooh, that is such an amazing question. I think what I will say is go internal. Mm. You are an Orisha. Your consciousness is a selected head. It is literally an Orisha in the flesh. You are. You have the ability to create. You have countless lifetimes and experiences and goals and tools coursing through your genetics, coursing through your DNA, coursing through your mind. You have but to tap into it. Yes. The ancestors, the Orisha, your spirit guides, all of that spiritual court is very important. Yes. But none are more important than you. Yes. Than your own Ori, your own consciousness. Because you cannot connect to anything else until you have fully connected to yourself. Ashe. Ashe. Thank you. You're very For everything. Oh, my pleasure. Very resonant, very on time. So thank you. You're very welcome. This is not going to be the last time (laughs) that we talk on this podcast because I feel like we scratched the surface. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned so many topics and referenced so many beautiful entities and concepts that I would love to deepen into with you more. Okay. I would love to know, though, how can people be in touch with you? Where can we find you? And what kind of services do you offer? You can find me on dothehealingwork.com. That is where people can go to book. I offer personal ancestral readings. I offer um, business and personal combo, which is, I think, most people's favorite because it touches on most people's favorite topics, love and money. I also offer business coaching, and I think that a lot of people leave the spirituality and the spiritual connection outside of business. But when you are building generational wealth, keyword generational, you cannot leave out the generations that came before you. And so um, they have experiences that you don't have. And so it's very important to tap into that. Because what I have found is a lot of us are actually still on the same path and are continuing the purpose of our ancestral lines. I also, um, speaking in regards to that, I also offer what is called a spiritual DNA reading, Mm. where I connect to your primordial ancestors that were there at the very beginning of your family and I'm able to tell you where they're from what they did what their purpose was how they ended up in the diaspora what tribe they're from what country they're from what Orisha if any that they worship what spiritual system that they had and their messages for you as well and so um, it also gives you and I think a lot of people I'm glad that we're on this platform saying that a lot of people are not prepared for the prescriptions that come with that I'm never going to give you a problem without also prescribing you a solution Mm, that's mm, counterproductive mm. so that is something that you can book on the site as well I also offer classes such as the power tools class that we spoke about before which is specifically designed to uncover your self-limiting beliefs uh, trauma 
give you the tools to resolve it. And some of those tools are helping you to connect with your highest self, helping you to connect with your ancestors and giving you the tools to be able to communicate with them and get a response. Yes. Because there is, like I said before, our ancestors have left us all of these tools and yes. resources to use. It's just gotta a matter of learning. Got to use them. It's a matter <laughs> of learning to use them and, and actually using them. So do the healing work.com is where you can find me. Also on Instagram, do the healing work. Yes. And on Facebook, do the healing work as well. Beautiful. Well, I'm doing the healing work. Ashay, you sure are, my <laughs> darling. I am so super proud of your development. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we will be talking with you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> So today's episode is sponsored by Penguin Random House and particularly with their Amplify Black Stories initiative, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal all year long opportunity for them and us to celebrate black authors, leaders, creators, and more who have forged a path for themselves and others. So I'm here. I'm excited to be here talking about this with Cree of the project. So hey, Cree. Hey, Lauren, how are you? I'm amazing. I told you I'm a little tired, but, you know, God is still good and I'm still here. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So I want to ask you um, about your role with Amplify Black Stories. And as I I do this, I encourage everyone who's listening right now to go ahead and follow the Always Black. That's A-L-L Ways Black pages on Instagram and where else? We will have something up on YouTube okay. and we have a Spotify and hopefully some um, Clubhouse. Beautiful. Because yeah. you're curating it. So let us in on the goodness. Yeah. I worked on a project with Penguin Random House earlier this year called the Black Like We Never Left Readathon. And, you know, I guess when you turn 30, you start thinking about legacy a little more. And so I was like, for sure, I want to be known as like a wonderful mother and a wonderful partner. But if people were like, oh, she is the reason I picked up this beautiful book, that would be amazing. So the whole readathon was dedicated to Toni Morrison. And there are just people in my DMs like, oh my gosh. And I was like, yes, welcome. And we had so much fun that a few months later, Penguin called and was just like, yeah, we were thinking about just launching some pages around the exact type of initiative that you dedicate your entire social media presence to. And I was like, say less, like to have the support of the largest publishing house in the world is is phenomenal. So we've just been working really hard to make sure we center the stories that are Black people's stories, not the stories that were necessarily given to us. And to inspire people to pick up some lit that they have never thought about picking up before. And always the end game is to increase empathy on the planet. So those are really my main focuses. Yeah, I'm really inspired to hear what you said, Cree, about your awareness of the legacy that you are leaving. And I'm not surprised because at Black Girl No, we are always magnetizing really powerful Black women like yourself who are moving with so much intention. I'm wondering what one of your favorite books from Penguin Random House and maybe one of the books that you're also amplifying within the Always Black channels, you know, what, what are you loving right now? So the thing that I just finished, Lauren, that I am just shocked that it had me in shambles is called Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yoon. 
I'm not sure that I'm saying her name correctly. So just note it. But um, it's a young adult romance novel. And I'm not really, I'm more of like a literary fiction type of girl. But it was so beautiful and like so accessible and just so well plotted and so well paced. I finished it in two days and I never do that. I'm not like a fast reader. So that's actually the next one that I'm amplifying. And just my favorite book of all time is The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. So... So you brought up Toni Morrison twice now, which I love because I took an entire Toni Morrison class in grad school. What did you get your degree in so I can go do that? (laughs) I went to Purdue University for American Studies. I got my master's. Yeah, the program was really, really powerful. It was truly for liberal arts kids like myself that don't really feel like any one discipline can keep us, right? It's It was yeah. a little of this, a little of that, and I was able to take amazing classes like, like Toni Morrison. Yeah, I, I really love what you're also really encouraging within me, and I hope for everyone listening right now, which is to get outside of the box as well with what we read. You know, when you mentioned young adult romance novel, to be honest, everything within me lit up because I've been receiving so many messages lately around reading for pleasure, reading for joy, because guess what little Lauren was doing? That was all she was doing. Mm -hmm. I was going to the library every week, getting the max amount of books that I could, usually sad that I couldn't get more, and I would be there the next week turning them back in and getting more, right? It was an endless kind of supply of of books. And so I'm wondering, I know there are a lot of mothers who listen with children. How do we, as mothers, perhaps create the space for reading and enjoyment and really reading as a form of self-care and self-love? And how would you also encourage mothers to encourage literacy within their kids as well? Yeah. One, I just think cultivating a household culture that is literary driven and not in like a competitive or like unattractive way, just like it's kind of always in the backdrop. So it was, I remember the like Mother's Day gift I got from my now 11 year old in second grade. And it was just like what my mom does. And like the third page was like, she's always reading. So it was like, if that's what he's seeing, then it makes sense that he also wants to do that or like engage in it. And then just like, I don't know how anyone, especially with the world slowly opening back up, thankfully can deny the magic of libraries. Like, Oh, they're so brilliant. My favorite place as a kid, truly. And truly. I could walk there too. So I was walking there by myself or with my mom all the time. They are so magnificent. They're one of the few places in our society left where you aren't expected to spend money, which is yeah. also extremely important. Yeah. And also just to be surrounded by literature. And there's something about me that like the first time I read Their Eyes Were Watching God, I picked that up from the library. And to know like once I closed it and obviously was just like changed. And I just sat and thought like how many people had had that exact same experience with this book because it's a library, you know? And I think that's one of the beauties of literature as an art is how shareable it is. Like that's what you're supposed to do with it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for all of this. And we're so looking forward to hearing from our listeners, which books, you know, from this beautiful, beautiful initiative that you're spearheading, they pick up 
You know, I'm personally um, listening to Find Boundaries, Find Peace on audiobook right now. So I'm all up in the Penguin Random House universe right now, and I'm looking forward to reading more for pleasure. You know, a lot of the, the books that I read, including that one, are because I'm always on this journey of expanding more into my fullest self. But I also mm-hmm. know that that expansion comes from opening up a book that just brings me to another world, you know, and that allows me to uh, explore themes that I might not have explored since I was a kid. So really yeah. grateful for your presence. And again, I just want to encourage all of our listeners to head to bit.ly slash Amplify Black Stories, or you can follow Penguin Random House's Always Black channel on Instagram at Always Black, and that's A-L-L-Ways Black. Thanks again to Cree for curating the vibes on all those channels, and we're looking forward to seeing all the things you continue to do. Thank you so much for having me, Lord. Yes. I affirm that you discover this conversation in divine time and that you'll activate any of the insights that resonated with you powerfully moving forward. Now, at Black Girl and Home, we're all about gratitude, so special thanks to our audio engineer, India Jordan, for adding your magic, Khalid B for your original music, and thank you, yes you, for listening. <laughs> Y'all, Black Girl and Home is here for you. We're actively rewriting the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. To get more involved and learn more about us, head to blackgirlinohm.com and join our newsletter while you're at it. If you do, you'll get an exclusive and free download of a meditation led by yours truly for Black women and girls everywhere. Are you also deepening into your journey of wholeness and healing with us on social? Follow us at Black Girl in Ohm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What we're about here is real sustained impact. If you're influenced by something that you heard on our podcast and want to support, you can make a contribution today by heading to blackgirlinohm.com slash support. All right, y'all, breathe easy.